Welcome back, lovers of freedom. This episode of Wilder Things is surreptitiously titled The Hypocrisy Behind the Green New Deal and the Strategy to Use to Pull It Off. Now, by strategy, I am referring to the kind that we don't like to see in our society because uh, it's more like anarcho-communist strategy and it's dangerous to a free society. The subtitle for this could be How Marxist Progressives Use Focus Group Tactics and Censorship to Control a Conversation and Insulate Themselves from the Gorilla They've Created. And the strategies are pretty much just as important as understanding the hypocrisy behind the Green New Deal because hypocrisy is kind of a universal thing with our uh, Marxist friends. And you'll see that there are are basically three real kind of interlocking parts that they'll use in their strategy and they're fairly universal in that they use these same similar strategies in trying to push the race equity issue and the illegal immigration issue let me explain why i think the first part of this is to to realize that i don't think these Marxist Democrats do much without some sort of focus group playbook. And from this focus group playbook, they get enough information to either increase the likelihood that the project that isn't good for a society goes through or that it increases uh, the successful like resource, uh, reduces the resources necessary to push a really bad idea across the finish line. Um, the first step that they do uh, is to try to isolate or identify people who are smart enough, that is the people in the demographic or cross-section of the country, that are pretty good at critical thinking, at catching errors and speaking up about them. In this case, for the Green New Deal, I, I think they targeted the middle class and they did so by early on you have you I don't know if you recall but AOC and others were saying that basically the middle class was to blame for whatever type of anthropic or human caused climate change and they would do something like this because it would distance people turn them off they would you know change the channel uh, if she came on and started complaining about their their, their aberrant behavior back in the day and that now uh, climate change is adversely impacting people of color and this and that la -di -da. so they turn off a lot of people so they can kind of walk away with the ball um, and there's there you know there's other reasons behind why they would do that because uh, some people just plain old find it offensive and that would engage uh, that would cause them to engage in mm, let's just say less than ideal conversation whenever they do so they can point out how horrible people are and then it's sort of kind of self it's a self-justification that hey we were right we told you that these people uh, they feel guilty about ruining the planet and, and causing greater harm to others because they could afford to insulate themselves from the impacts of climate change and that identifying the groups and stuff is just one part of three because after that they craft the message um, and, and that message is 
sort of to cause that political and social damage. But and of course, obviously, they they've been calling publicly for unity as they do this. So that message to does two things. It's going to, like I said, offend uh, the people who could actually call them out on their BS. And it's going to mobilize others to action against those that they've identified as these are your enemies. Go get them. Um, and then they'll say that we've ruined the planet for everybody else. The third step after those is that uh, I guess they kind of get the, in there. They get guidelines for buzzwords to keep repeating, and you know, uh, tips to avoid unfiltered questions because nobody's really said anything about this. Uh, I'm not a prominent individual. I am knowledgeable on the subject. My degree program was one of sustainability, so it has a bachelor's business administration with double minors. I My minors were environmental studies and public administration. My program was supposed to prepare somebody for a career in uh, maybe a compliance officer, sustainability engineer. You could work for the government. You could interface with business or work with business and interface with the government. Because we learned about the uh, you know, environmental impact assessments and these periods where you would look for input from various stakeholders. So I know a little bit about it and I kept waiting for somebody more prominent to speak up about the hypocrisy that AOC uh, is the poster child for Green New Deal. Uh, you, I'll explain why she is the, you know, the flag holder for this because her, her public profile is maybe two or three times that combined of the other three in the squad. Uh, also, a, a grand hypocrite, it would be Joe Biden. And AOC's guilt in this is that uh, she's been talking about how uh, this is the Green New Deal is the counter existential threat. And we'll hear that from a lot of people. Uh, but between her and Joe Biden, AOC's plan is to bring in as many people as possible in this country from less developed nations. Uh, one of the first things you'll learn in any program that looks at identifying and quantifying the amount of human-caused climate, you know, climate change is the ages-old uh, I equals P times A times T formula. Uh, this started out around somewhere around 1970 or 1971, where I equals the impact that if we were all to say, hey, we've done something to the planet, let's quantify what we've done as human beings. And you do that by multiplying population times affluence times technology. AOC's plan is to bring in people who reproduce in, in their home, in home countries, uh, somewhere between two and a half and five times that of third and fourth generation non-Hispanic whites in our country. In fact, 2019 was the first year in some time that the white population went down in the United States. We are just kind of holding a, we're just kind of on a hold pattern with our reproductive rates. Uh, the people that we're bringing in did not have from those other countries access to uh, high quality prenatal care, and exceptional delivery rooms and this and that nor did they have access to the safety, you know, uh, I can't think of the term that they use for them right now, but it's basically the 
safety net of a societal you know welfare systems so if these people come here and their natural birth rate is the number that they talk about the nbr if that goes up uh we're gonna we're gonna have a you know population increase because we're, we're bringing in between two and three three and a half million i imagine it's going to go up as uh immigration policy changes so that's her hypocrisy you can't call it an existential threat and then also have a an, an agenda have a program that is counter directly counter to it joe biden's guilt in this is that uh, he is mr pro china and all products made in China against, when compared to a comparable U.S. Uh, manufactured item, is between 20-30% worse for the environment in their harmful emissions. And since they're pushing us towards a renewable future, uh, they're like, they'd like to move nuclear off the table, they'd like to move you know, fossil fuel genera- power generation off the table, they're going to push us us towards purchasing and procuring more Chinese-made solar panels and power distribution equipment. And the power distribution equipment is particularly interesting because the manufacturing of those products involves the release of fluorinated gases. We talk a lot about you know CO2 and other things, methane. The fluorinated gases are exclusively man-made. They are not found in nature, and they are like I said, associated with the uh, manufacture of certain um, power dri- heavy, heavy power distribution equipment, uh, expandable foams, but they're moving away from those. And the problem with those is that they stay in the environment for tens of thousands of years, and they do tens of thousands of times the damage that CO2 does. That is, it remains in the environment for a long time, and what, the entire t- duration that it, it is in the environment it causes far more damage. And, and now they kind of convert the global warming potential of most of these uh, airborne compounds. Uh, it's far worse. And to allow the Chinese to do this without any sor- sort of uh, punishment that uh, other developed countries have to do is fairly ridiculous. So Joe Biden's sin would be that, that he is uh, willfully selecting a low technology company that's the other thing uh up until recently most of the uh, most of the changes that happened during an individual's life resulted in them buying either bigger cars or bigger houses with larger overhead you know uh more larger carbon footprint so basically most of our choices as we did better in life actually resulted in greater harm to the environment that's not the case now not with the hybrid vehicles or electric vehicles we have thanks to technology and advancements we have smarter choices we can make now although they don't work for everybody we can always do things a little bit more simply uh, a little more concern and care for the environment but that was not quite the case you know 10 15 20 years ago like i said most of our quality of life increases also meant lower quality of environment greater impact so the next phase that uh something we've had you know see see more recently is that um and and it's growing is that 
people like AOC uh, have been pushing the whole consensus concept for some time. And then they're louder and louder when they demand you rely on their science without really sharing the science or the identities of the scientists. I'm sure there's a list somewhere. But like I said, they, they, they're going to tell you the, the, the various cycles but they're not going to tell you what your part is or your negative or helpful contribution. So what they've been doing is they're expanding the, con uh, the concept of the existential threat to shame dissenters and the more recently have started legitimizing attacks uh, from members of their, uh, their, their own group, their own party, uh, while denying a connection. And you'll see that this is universal to the other, to the race equity and to the illegal immigration. That's why I bring that up. And and again, there's a message crafted that they use to mobilize people. Uh, and sadly, uh, as we've seen from the uh, James O'Keefe's Project Veritas video recently, they have high-level people who are recruiting um, people who are mental issues knowing full well that they're going to, uh, there's a high likelihood that they may engage in some sort of violent behavior because that's why they chose them. Uh, they also use children um, to, 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 to promote this message very publicly across many channels or unassailable icons because then when you speak out against the people who are promoting the Green New Deal, you'll be attacked for that. Democrats, uh, Marxist Democrats, love to push the conversation to where they're going to emerge victorious because they do well in chaos and strife and turbulence and political unrest. Uh, that's kind of their thing. Their other tactic they've been doing, uh, obviously, is to keep kicking the can down the road when they're in trouble. Uh, one of the things that they've been doing more recently is attaching or connecting other significant voter issues to an agenda until uh, conceivably it's until a proposition or a referendum uh, would pass in a key state because then they'll parade around that victory as though it's a majority position and here, here's something else that's very important I really don't think that there are majority positions on very many things that they have. And I think that most of what we see in the news, the fake news, is the projection of something much larger than actually exists. So basically, we're like watching the Truman Show, I think that movie was, where it's a fake reality. And, and I say this because I recall the fair tax uh, that was on Illinois' uh, ballot in November 2020, just last year, and it basically would have given something like 93 or 98% of all residents a tax break at the expense of the ultra-wealthy, and it did not do well. It did not pass because most people are sensible and realize that there's, there's a catch, there's something wrong there, and they probably realized that the state would do more inappropriate stuff with whatever additional resources they were taking from people because the Green New Deal would be something like that. You create a buzz, you generate extra revenue. They, it, they really don't help who they're supposed to help. It's kind of like the Clinton Foundation bringing gobs of cash 
and paying each other off and hiring friends to do consulting work and then a very small percentage of the revenues brought in actually went to help those it was that the you know the, the funds were supposed to help and the thought that they would be self-funding or using seed capital is really important when we take on the similarity between the Green New Deal and illegal immigration because you'll recall uh, sometime around 2012, 2013, DOJ and the, I believe it's the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, Liz Warren's brainchild, a newer agency that was created and somehow skirted the normal norms uh, for oversight because the Democrats said that uh, they feared that Republicans or other groups would come in and stifle their ability. So what they were able to do is they're, they're able to skirt the type of responsibility and, and oversight and accountability that all other agencies have. Well, in 2012, 2013, they were shaking down large businesses for hundreds of millions of dollars because they were charging them with uh, unfair or racist or so, some form of social justice charges. Uh, they were later caught falsifying documents, uh, deleting and altering records and such, and basically coercing. So they were shaking down these businesses, but rather than have them pay the fines to the government, uh, some of you may recall this, they were giving them the, like grassroots startups and they were all liberal organizations, clearly on the liberal end of the spectrum. A number of them were involved in Im illegal immigration, uh, refugee resettlement, etc. What they did was they offered that each of those organizations could pay those nonprofits or NGOs a fraction of what their fines would have been. So they felt like they were getting a great deal. And in turn, they would quietly just like leave them alone rather than put something in print about how they were racist. Uh, part of me thinks that uh, big businesses now that are getting on board with these bizarre race equity deals are afraid of a repeat of that now that uh, now that there's a Democrat back in the White House because he was in there last time it happened perhaps Joe Biden was behind it so these organizations were giving hundreds of millions of dollars to these places that were supposed to resettle but it was also seed capital the Immigrants were brought in, some wrongly categorized as refugees. They were, it, what this did was it allowed sanctuaries to put people to work at a lower rate and receive, there's basically subsidizing labor in sanctuary states, in cities, which results in, you know, an unfair competitive advantage for them. And the tactics I was speaking of where you speak out about it, you hate people, you hate immigrants, is, is how it goes. So there's a variety of ways that they, um, they'll shame people. And then actually, typically the argument ends up becoming the news. And less focus or no attention is given to what's actually happening within those communities. Because not only are they bringing people in uh, and not fully enculturating them, they're also getting increased representation. And that combined with the fact that the other states are helping support that through a variety of other programs makes it easier to, for employment and such in those blue states. 
And let's move on to the race equity because that's been absolutely gigantic for how for since the summer of love, right? Uh, race equity is a tough one. Uh, there are so many dynamics to it and other issues involved. The one thing that really stands out in my mind is the hearing between Representative Sheila Jackson Lee and the Attorney General Bill Barr where she lies about so many things. In fact, everything. She lies about everything. Uh, when you're talking about police brutality, you shouldn't use uh, people who were killed by Hispanic American citizens who are not police officers. It's just like inflating your numbers and stuff. So I think the, the, the mo one of the more damaging things about the race equity issue is that uh, not only we have BLM and Antifa rise up and kind of put fear into just about m probably most of the country, but, but it was the lies from the congressional Democrats and the media that have transformed police into targets. Um, one thing that really bothered me is, and this is where it really, this is where it ties into all of the other tactics. They made a false claim that America is only great because blacks and people of color have been robbed, have, have had things taken from them, and then they created that perpetual victimhood thing uh, because they're victims of white supremacy, you know, this made up white supremacy. Um, and then they moved on to the uh, pretending that peaceful, peaceful protests were happening across the country and that they weren't violent riots and that there was a legitimate basis for protesting. And if you spoke up about the protests, you tried to take away their right to protest. 1,600 burnt down buildings in Minneapolis, over a billion dollars worth of damage, is not a peaceful protest. The sad part about that is we're all going to end up paying for those people who burnt down the buildings to likely have some sort of job because there's going to be so much work going on and they are union, it's a union area, so they're going to have to hire from within the community. So it's absolutely absurd that the other states are going to have to assist a few because they allowed violence to happen, destructive violence to happen. I'd like to close by bringing up uh, or asking the question, trying to answer the question, have these Marxist tactics improved the lives of Americans? And clearly, uh, the answer is no. But there are a couple of things we should talk about. Well, first of all, there's just way too many space oddities to believe that the movement was organic uh, and that it fought to better the lives or it continues to fight to better the lives of people of color. And we know this now because uh, crimes against minorities have increased. And, and when it comes to crime and, and sentencing and, and the entire criminal justice system, system uh, we have people, we have two sides. We have people on one side pointing out savagely doctored events uh, in which people of, of color have lost their lives, which is kind of crazy. And Or you have people who've studied crime data and the things that have worked through the years. You either have to pick one side, you pick one side or the other. And we know that since they've backed away from, you know, uh, police have backed away from their positions in areas where they were targeted or under attack, crimes have gone through the roof. So, that, so no, and, and who is harmed most? It's typically 
urban population centers with more people of color. The other crazy thing was that when we had unrest just explode in the U.S., develop, other developed countries suddenly realized they had the same racist police states and incarceration, and they organized and rolled out at the same time. That's not coincidental. There's more th there than than we've been told. So basically, there's there's literally nothing exists that would buoy the argument that leftist changes will reduce crime or make uh, any citizen's life better. And the same's going to go for the Green New Deal. Uh, this the same thing's going to go for illegal immigration. We're going to have people uh, not enculturated who still feel a bit outside because they're being used by these Marxist Democrats. We're going to have more Chinese solar panels and very little will change. And I really think that they're using time as a weapon as well. These programs are, are introduced and dragged out and over a period of time they just keep the arguments going, the debates, the fights, nobody win. Nobody's winning in any of this, because the truth be told about each nation state's emissions, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, the U.S. is so small compared to China now. From that standpoint, we could stop emitting today, and if China doesn't cut back, we're gonna we're we're gonna have a problem if any of those projections on global warming are true. So they're really going after the wrong animal here. And I wish they had a, a more positive way to end this, but uh, I'll make a promise that as things develop, as there are further developments, I'll continue to throw out little blurbs, maybe five minute, 10 minute episodes, updates on this particular topic. But in closing, never forget, the FBI, CIA, NSA, DOJ, State Department, and probably who knows who else in the federal government committed treason from 2016 to like 2018 because they couldn't all be that incompetent. Individuals like Lisa Page had one job as general counsel or lead counsel, and that was to provide legal advice and stop things like the Russia hoax from ever happening and she was in on it. People like Inspector General Michael Horowitz had a job, and he couldn't find bias, even though Peter Strzok and Lisa Page spoke about there not being any crimes committed by Trump and associates, and they talked about how they were willing to prosecute him, or frame him, or set him up. And they also spoke about the emails, special access program emails, which are highly classified on Hillary's bathroom server and how they were going to just give her a defensive briefing and let her go. So that is textbook bias. And that is one bone this dog is never going to drop. Peace out.